0: This is The Guardian.
1: A third of students are less than happy about their university choice, new research by EY has revealed. The findings suggest that a digital rethink is essential to meet the expectations of students and staff. Universities can address this by putting the needs of the people they serve at the heart of their digital strategies. Learn more about the future of human-centered higher education at theguardian.com forward slash transforming higher education. This message was paid for by EY.
2: Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now get 15% off your first order at burrow.com/acast. That's 15% off at burrow.com/acast.
3: Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly. Open the Carabao Cup box and let's go as Manchester City win the trophy for the 25th year in a row. A 2-0 win over Chelsea in which they dominated for large parts. even if Graham Potter's men had their chances. Holders Liverpool have through two. Creven Kelleher, the hero at home to Derby. In other shootouts, never talked about Gillingham win at Brentford. Blackburn succeed at the London Stadium. And Newcastle beat Palace. Arsenal are turned over at home to Brighton while Spurs failed to turn up for the first and second half at Forest while Antonio Conte says Harry Kane is really, really tired. Aren't we all, mate? We've got the final Premier League preview of the year and we're pretty sure we know the England squad, which you will know by the time this comes out. So we'll discuss it and correct ourselves on Monday if Gareth springs no surprises, Southgate springs any surprises. All that, your questions, and most importantly of all, does Barry actually think he's going out with one of the bangles? This is the Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Robin Cowan, welcome.
4: Hi there, Max. Yeah, I'm just wondering if this uh, is this why Barry isn't here. <laughs> He's like,
3: well, who, who, who knows? We'll get into that in part three. <laughs> Hello, Jordan Jarrett Brian. Good morning, pal. You're right. I'm uh, very good. And we'll explain who the Bengals are to Ben Fisher when we discuss it. Hey, Ben.
0: <laughs> Hi, Max. How you doing?
3: Very good. Joe says, Excuse me, where is the Carabao Cut Box and why haven't we heard its glorious roar in years? One of my favorite pod moments pre pandemic. So here we go. Editing in the Carabao cut box from four years ago. Carabao! Oh, how nostalgic. And in fact, on that episode, Derby knocked out Manchester United, Jose and Paul Pogba fell out and Phil Foden scored his first goal for Manchester City. So how time flies, eh? Let's do what happened in the last couple of days then. Um, Man City beat Chelsea 2-0 in the sort of tie of the round on paper. Um... And City had all the play, I guess, Jordan, but felt like Chelsea had the best chances early on in this game.
5: Yeah, they did. Uh, they did. They'll be kicking themselves. And I think it's been the first really good performance from Chelsea um, in, 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 a, in a few weeks. I've got, I've got a few Chelsea friends. My dad's a Chelsea fan. He was saying last night that, you know, yeah, they, they gutted, they went out, but they, they're more encouraged by the fact that they pushed City, albeit uh, an inverted commas second string City team. Um, to, you know, all, all, all the way. But um, I think Chelsea have kind of bigger, big, bigger problems in terms of just getting the trust of the Chelsea fans, the trust of Graham Potter. Many of them, I think, like the idea of having this progressive, um, you know, relatively successful in terms of whether you're at Brighton manager at their club. But the reality of actually is this guy, the guy that can maintain our high standards. There's still a lot of concern about whether he is that guy. So I think what their main issue is, just buying into what this guy can do and will he get time. And people talk about time at Chelsea. I don't think the biggest issue is the pressure from the owners. I think it's from the fan base. Will the fan base give him the time to really implement what what, what it is that he needs to do after being um, spoiled for so long for so many trophies? So despite going out, they'll be a bit gutted, but I think they will take encouragement from the fact that they can put in a good performance against the best team in the country. Caveat, not Arsenal.
3: Yeah. Uh, no, very good point. Well made. We'll get to Arsenal and their brilliant result uh, in, uh, against Brighton. Um, uh, Robin, I mean, Jordan <laughs> makes a good point, don't they? Because because actually, as a fan, you need to give your team time and if they, you know, Pulisic has that chance, Lewis Hall, who I didn't know a whole lot, whole lot about, creates a great chance for himself and then doesn't take it. And when you're watching as a fan, it's quite hard to go, actually, if they go in, that changes this game and then we might have a win against City and then, it's a real confidence builder for us
4: yeah i think it's difficult i think imagine especially as if you're a fan of chelsea to just be happy with a good performance it's just not mm. uh, yeah that's a very sort of yeah as as it's I, fellow fans of League One teams, that's all <laughs> that's what sometimes what we can grasp for. But hey,
3: happy with even a bad performance, just happy with something
4: happening. <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. A corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll take it. Slim pickings for us. But uh but yeah, I, I think you're right. They were they were very I thought they were very unlucky here, really unfortunate. I imagine they that you know, they had the better chances. It's just, yeah, Mares obviously sticks one in from a free kick. And then um Koulibaly kind of doesn't really track his runner, <laughs> Alvarez, to put it in for the second. And yeah, I mean, Lewis Hall looked very good. do wonder if we'll see him a bit more. But it was a bit like that with Billy Gilmore, wasn't it, a, a couple of years ago? I think it might be an EFL Cup or an FA Cup game. He was really, really good. And now he's at Brighton not playing. So I guess we'll, we'll wait and see on that one.
3: Also, Jordan, I mean, in that, in that free kick from Mares, and I don't want to dig out Koulibaly too much, but he didn't seem to jump in the wall. I don't know what his instruction was. and I certainly wouldn't jump if a ball was going to hit me in the face. But it's all slightly tricky if everyone else does and you don't, and then the ball goes over your head.
5: (laughs) Yeah, it it, it it didn't really good. And I'm wondering, like, what the hell are you doing? And he did it kind of confidently. Like, he was told, like, that is what you're supposed to do when clearly... Um that wasn't the instruction. So it was, it was a-
4: I don't need to jump
5: yeah, I don't need
1: there was a- Well maybe there
3: was no maybe there was no maybe there was no draft excluder. I can't remember if there wasn't. He would say, Listen, if there's no I can't possibly jump if there's no if there's no draft excluder. Anyway, City are through I mean we we sort of I don't know because City win it all the time, and I know they didn't win it last year, Ben, but it would just be nice if City had a few years off the League Cup, right? You know, they, they go for the other ones, don't they? Let them fight out for the Premier, let someone else have a turn.
0: Yeah it's sort of hard to envisage them not going you know really deep and being in the popping up in the final and probably going on to win it. Um, Although I did see that I think Charlton are the only London team left in the competition so that's a bit of variation and makes life a bit interesting. I mean I know the, the League Cup gets a lot of flack it's sort of derided it's the kind of ugly duckling of the cup competitions I suppose but I do think it's great. Um, I know Premier League clubs don't really think of it that way. Often championship clubs don't either, but I think it's a good competition and you know, Forest have gone through against Spurs and one club will probably, you know, maybe threaten, maybe have a run to the final, which, you know, I think is is good. So, um, you know, whether it's Forest or I don't know, whoever, um, Leicester, for example, were really good on Tuesday. I they did that game against Newport and again, it was a bit of a non-event as a game um, and I suppose the people who cr- criticise the competition would point to that as a case in point. But, you know, Leicester could go and get a trophy. And I think for, for them, for example, especially after a bad start to the season, that's something they um, are really targeting.
3: Um, in England terms, Robin, we saw Calvin Phillips come on, get him on that plane. We think he will be on that plane.
4: Yeah, I think he will be. I heard him on Five Live on, on Monday and he he was very, very confident. I think it, it sounded like he'd had sort of a heads up that he'll be there. And I'm not surprised, you know, I know there'll be people who say, look, he's, he's barely played and that's a valid argument. But he contributed massively in, in the Euros and Gareth Southgate places a lot of weight on, you know, players who've performed for him. and and not necessarily sort of consistently for their clubs. I mean, we've seen that before. So I'd be absolutely astounded if he's not named in the squad.
3: Mm. And look, we'll get on to players who he hasn't played much. We'll get on to players who've played a lot and and will be on that plane and might be sleepy (laughs) uh, in a little bit. Let's go to the Emirates. Arsenal won Brighton 3. Jordan, look, Arsenal have been brilliant this season. I, I guess you probably don't mind them going out. And actually, Brighton, I thought, was superb in this game.
5: Brighton were brilliant and and, and worthy winners. Um, we've we've got a really bad record against Brighton actually in league and cup over the last four or five years. It's really weird. Um, they beat us at the Emirates last year in the league as well. Um, they were the better team, but I am a little bit conflicted with this one because I always the, the league cup is one of those kind of almost easy cups to win. It's not that many games for Premier League teams. I just think myself just kind of put it in for six or seven, well six games, five games, and and you're in a you're in a final and win a cup. So I always I'm a little bit. Uh, just get that one in the bag. It's, a, it's an easy trophy to win in that sense. However, our squad isn't the biggest, isn't the strongest. Our depth isn't amazing. So you do feel like back end or the end of the World Cup, second half of the season, there's going to be a lot of games for teams like Arsenal, the Europa League, the Premier League, the FA Cup. And then if you add on top of that, the League Cup as well. And unless Arsenal are planning to recruit heavily in, in the January window, you do feel it's maybe one cup that you could just maybe do without to kind of make sure that you give yourself the best chance of doing better in the two competitions that I think they really are going for, the league and the and the Europa League. So yeah, I'm a little bit gutted because I think it's a cup that we could have won. Um, but equally, you know, bigger fish to fry and if there's one one L we've got to take, I'd rather take it in in, in this competition.
3: I think if Chelsea fans, you know, want to be patient to, to you know, give Potter time, they should just look at how well coached Brighton are Robin. I mean some of their football is is pretty their second goal was beautiful.
4: Oh, I mean, both of them were so good. And it's just their recruitment's just absolutely astonishing, you know, Mitoma um and and the way they bed them in, they usually go back out on loan somewhere and then they come back in the Premier League, you know, we've seen that with McAllister as well. But they all they just pick up such technically gifted players and they're just a brilliant team to watch. And I think what what's great is that yeah, Maybe the actual Brighton fans do get slightly frustrated when they don't score, but like they, the expectation isn't there. So it's like, you know, it's not a Chelsea or an Arsenal where you're expected to win all the time. They can have that freedom to kind of play well and maybe not win all the time. I, th- I think they're, they're just a beautiful team to watch. Really, really good.
3: Julio Encisco, who is a Paraguayan, and Jeremy Sarmiento, an Ecuadorian, who I had not heard of until yesterday... Uh, You are nodding, Robin. So, like, had you? Did you not? These two, for a bit, I wasn't sure if it was, you know, sometimes someone's got one name on their back and they're called by a different name. I was like, well, they're these sort of nippy little players. Is that the same person? I better check. But, like, who are these two? I've not seen them at all.
4: Yeah, well, again, they just kind of bed them in. I know Sarmiento because I am doing Ecuador at the World Cup and he is probably going to be in the squad. And um, they've also got... I mean, Ecuador have got Caicedo as well, Moises Caicedo, and um, and also S. tupinyan from Brighton. So it's quite a big contingent there. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. they And they've come through these South American countries. I mean, like McAllister and, the, the, I don't know, as I say, again, their recruitment's there. Just on a different point, um, the, uh, the ra- next round, round four of the EFL mm-hmm. Cup, is due to be played the week of the 19th of December. So that is before the first round of premier league fixtures yeah oh, right so i'm just thinking yeah that's not going to be particularly i can't imagine there's going to be very strong teams being put out so that's like the midweek before boxing so boxing day's when it the so premier league is so hang on so right? that mean we yeah. don't
3: even get a, we don't even get like a week like no. i was definitely right the world cup's done i'm going on a mini great to amsterdam do we need can listeners get in touch do we really need to cover the, I mean, we're trying to say the Carabao Cup matters. We need to see does, how
4: Charlton get on That's the only we, London club. <laughs> can, we,
3: can we feel the weakened team for that, for that part? I just, <laughs> I'm just going to need a bit of time off. Um, that, I mean, uh, the scheduling is mad. We're going to talk mm. about the Premier League fixtures this weekend, which will be odd, won't they? Richard says, is it odd that I'm glad Arsenal are out of the Carabao Cup so we can focus on the league, but find it equally hilarious that Spurs are out? Meanwhile, Darren says, why did I decide to support Spurs? And why, oh, why did I think this season would be a good season to buy my first season ticket? Spurs, Ben, with a novel approach here of being poor in the first half and then surprising their opponents by being even worse in the second for a change.
0: Yeah, not a good <laughs> result for uh, Spurs or Conte. obviously tried to uh, change things up a little bit.
3: But only a little bit. I mean, that's but, the thing. I mean,
0: but that's what I was going to say. The, the, the team was more than ample. You know, it's Forrest are okay, but they're not, you know... the the beatable and um Spurs uh I don't know with with Conte I mean it's strange because I I thought he was really onto something this season but it just feels last few weeks like the grip slipping a bit I know they came back at Bournemouth but that I found quite alarming. Um as you say obviously the performance at at the city ground is poor. Um and then I don't know the the squad is, is is a lot better really than then they're getting out of it at the moment. I think uh, I think there's some really good players there, and I'd be concerned if I was a Spurs fan because I think I don't know. I just feel like Conte is a really good manager, and he should be winning those games.
5: I'm with Ben in, in terms of I I, I think Conte is a brilliant manager, and I, I but I think the the vibe amongst the Spurs fans is definitely changing. They they are they're they're slowly questioning questioning him, and I think that's a massive mistake people compare all oh, this, this the tactics from what he's doing here at spurs with what he did with inter and chelsea where he won things he's doing the same thing the only difference is the caliber of defenders he had at those two clubs enabled him to get to half time the plan is get to half time in the game and we have Hazard and Costa or we have Martinez and Lukaku we're going to win 75 80% of our games that's going to get us third second and even first Spurs don't have that so while I think Levy has backed uh, Conte to some degree and done quite well in that sense I just think if you look at Spurs defenders they're all average at best there's not a brilliant center back or defender there I think if you give him a center back and a and a and a I don't know a wing back of the, of his liking in January I really think Spurs can do something and Spurs fans will be frustrated because they will see this as one of the two trophies they could win this year and they're out of one now. So I think that, and okay, the football's not exciting to watch, but if you're a Spurs fan, and I caveat this again, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I don't want to tell them how to feel, but as a Spurs fan, you haven't won much and you've got a brilliant manager there. Stick with him, back him. And I think Spurs can win something, if not this season, next season for sure.
4: Just looking at the goals they conceded, just again, really passive defensively. And I don't know, Max, do you feel like Christian Romero is like the really aggressive defender that was kind of like, no, you're not getting through here. And that, he's just a, a big miss?
3: Yeah, I, I, I think that is true. And I think they're very one-paced if they don't have Son or Richarlison. I know Richarlison came on and Kulisevsky came on and it makes a big difference. But I agree with you on the passivity, not just, you know, defending, but when they have the ball, they're, you know, they're so passive in terms of their play and actually, especially if there's no, like, Bentoncourt, if he's not in the midfield, then there is no one who is going to pass it forwards ever. Like, like ever. Like, like, everybody gets it. You know, the wing back might get it and then put his foot on the ball and go back to the centre-backs. And I understand, like, conserving energy, at least I think I do. Um, but, you know, it is, and look, they, they have had injuries, right? not They're not the only team uh, and, you know, they, they will go into this break probably fourth through in the Champions League with a winnable draw in the Champions League. Like, top four is a good achievement for Spurs. But it it it, it is tough when, you know, the game is hard to watch, right? This game was hard to watch. Like, Forrest scored, a Rennie Lodi scored a lovely goal, but you're right, they all stood off him. Spurs fans will see the irony of Serge Aurier picking out a man with a cross in the build-up to for <laughs> to, uh, to Lingard's goal. And Forrest played really well, but they didn't actually have to do that much, a big story here, Ben, is, is Harry Kane, who did look pretty cooked. And I thought that watching him, and I was surprised he played. And Conte's saying he was tired, really, really tired. Yesterday, we had a soft training session. At one point, he stopped himself to recover energy. He's okay, only fatigue, and that's normal. I mean, there are England fans and an England manager who'll be thinking, you know, that is not a position where England have massive depth. And he is key. And I can just see another group stages like the Euros where he just looks knackered.
0: Yeah, we don't want him sort of half baked out in Qatar. I think, um, yeah, it's a bit a bit worrying. Is, is he? Well, I don't really know what Conte's trying to do. Is he trying to sort of sow the seeds that Harry's going to have a miserable tournament? Or as you say, I mean, England, uh, we are very reliant on Harry Kane. Uh, there's no two ways about it. I I think um, did he really have to play last night? I don't know. That I find that a little bit worrying in itself. That you know, a team like Tottenham literally don't have any supposedly any other options. I know you have injuries and things, but. Uh, i don't know that that to me is is a bit worrying um but in terms of kane he's going england need him for every minute so if if that is the case i mean i don't quite know what he means by sort of has to stop in the session and then you know as he sort of down on his haunches and kind of <laughs>
3: It's a really funny. It's a really Sunday league image of just someone going, ah, oh, just you know, just going off the pitch to vomit because they had a heavy night, isn't it? Or just, I'm really, you know, I'm really tired.
0: Maybe you went walkabout or Yates's or something the night before. I don't, I don't. Um, yeah, maybe had a little energy drink. I don't know. Um, I don't know quite where he is I'd like to think maybe Conte's painting a bleaker picture than Harry Kane actually feels but we'll soon find out because uh, we're not we're not too far away from that opening game just on Spurs as well I was going to say do you think anybody likes a sideways passer as much as Tottenham I was just thinking like looking at Oli Skip in there no offence to him but he's probably a candidate for that role and uh, Harry Wink seemed to be the the classic one of those and obviously he's out o- alone now isn't he obviously gone there permanently to Sampdoria but um. I mean, Harry Winks
3: passed it forwards a bit more than than the current midfield. But I got I got told off for being very negative about Spurs the other week. So so you know, let's you know,
5: I'll do it.
4: <laughs> Can I also add? Um, I really liked I really like this quote from Christian Stellini, the assistant coach. He basically said, "It's not their problem <laughs> about about the World Cup and their, and Harry Kane." He was like. We, we just take care of him for Spurs, so we're going to play him as much as we want. And I, I really like that, honestly, because I think so every, I. every every league manager just wants to say that, but they kind of go, Great. oh, well, you know, you know, we want them to do well at World Cup. But he's like, we don't give a shit. No, he's our <laughs> player. <laughs> Screw you. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. It's like they go out in the group stages. Uh, Liverpool got through on penalties against Derby. Great entertainment in this shootout uh, with, you know, the Derby keeper, basically on the penalty spot when he saved the first one. Um, and then Kelleher saving one and then Firmino putting it over the bar. Uh, you know, it was uh, it was great entertainment. There was one moment in this game, we'll rattle through these games, but um, it was nice to see David McGoldrick again, who I haven't seen for a while, sort of not quite taking a chance, which is very David
0: McGoldrick.
3: Ben, I mean, presumably you, you're more aware than I am that he, he was now at Derby County being very David McGoldrick.
0: Yeah, he was one of several players that Derby signed and some of you thought, wow, oh, they've, they've got him back. You know, where's he come from? Um, yeah, no, I mean, obviously McGoldrick had that really good season or season in a bit at Sheffield United, um, to be fair. But I know what you're saying. He's uh, he is that kind of player, isn't he? Probably very frustrating to watch, I imagine, if you're a, a regular at, at uh, Pride Park.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, it wasn't a simple chance. Sort of five minutes to go, was it? Header was slightly behind them, but that was the the big chance for Derby County. But look, they did well to uh, take Liverpool to penalties. No extra time, by the way, is absolutely brilliant, isn't it? There's one thing this competition has got right. Um, Gillingham won six five on penalties at Brentford. Charlie says, are the team excited for Gillingham's Carabao Cup win this season? An amazing result, Robin. They had twenty percent possession and one shot on target. That's world class.
4: <laughs> I, I love that. Yeah, as a as a travelling fan, that would be exactly what you want. That rearguard action, riding your luck, and uh, and yeah, winning on penalties. I mean, yeah, you can't ask for much more. And a lot of uh, a lot of noise around Ivan Tony he scored and scored his penalty, obviously. Um, and yeah, I actually don't have any idea if he's going to make the squad. But um, but yeah, great result for Gillingham. I think Brentford they are desperate for the the break. Uh, they think they've got Man City this weekend. They're on, they're not on a good run. Might as well be yeah. a break
3: now. They might as well just say, we're on yeah. the break now. Oh, it <laughs> yeah. just doesn't really, this game doesn't matter. And actually that, that penalty shootout, everyone was kind of influenced by Ivan Tony. It was just lots of people being very chilled out, just <laughs> rolling it into the corner. Yes, Jordan?
5: Just briefly, just speaking of penalties, I i don't think I've ever seen 19 better penalties taken than I saw at the London Stadium yesterday between West Ham and, and Blackburn. Apart from the one that missed, obviously. I think it was um, a bonner hit the bar. Um, <laughs> they were amazing. They were all really good. There is a moment in those
3: sort of penalty shootouts where you think this might go on forever. And I hope it <laughs> does go on forever <laughs> because that really does... That really affects the fixture schedule, doesn't it? Like, like this, this could, this could actually, like, just somehow, just go on for days and days and days. They Just can't play their next fixture because they're still in a penalty <laughs> shootout with Blackburn. But anyway, um, uh, good win for for Blackburn Rovers. A bit more pressure on uh, David Moyes. Newcastle got through on penalties. Ferg says, should Nick Pope be subbed on for England shootouts? Tim Cruel style. Uh, what do you reckon? What do you reckon, Ben? I mean, Pickford's quite good at saving them as well, isn't he?
0: Yeah, he is, but I do quite like the idea of that. It just creates a bit of drama, and then you have that big controversy after what was he doing? It was never going to work, you know.
4: I'm not sure Pickford's coming off no. without a fight in that situation. Okay. I would,
0: def- I would sign up to that just for the, uh, the fun <laughs> of it all. And also, I remember doing a piece with Tim Krull and looking at the photos of his bottle with the the names of the um you know all of his homework on and stuff, and I yeah, got a lot of time for that because. You know, you people don't don't see the work they put in, so fair place.
3: Well, that was the um, the Australia keeper, uh, not Eddie Redmayne, Andrew Redmayne, who saw the P- the uh, Peru keeper had that on his bottle in the shootout in the playoffs, and just lobbed it over the advertising hoarding and went there. You go, can't <laughs> check that. Well, look, Pickford wasn't in goal for Everton. Uh, Asmir Begovic it was nice to see him, wasn't it? Uh, and he was there to concede four at his old side, Bournemouth. Some very carabao goals in this deflections and. Mason Holgate falling over, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, I think there was some sort of chat. And maybe just because there's not, you know, during Carabao Cup week, you've got to talk about something about pressure on Lampard here, Jordan. I don't know if you think there is or not.
5: I think there is pressure on Lampard. I mean, uh, but weirdly not amongst the Everton fan base. A lot of the Everton fans I hear from, um, I know a couple they 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 kind of keep spouting this, he gets the club line and they seem to think that he's really bought into them as a fan base. And I think he's got a lot of credit in the bank for how he's saved them again in Voya Commons last season. I'm not convinced about Lampard. I think he's a good manager, but can he take Everton to where I think they want to go? Which I think is a you know at least mid table, even even Europe. I'm I'm not so sure. Is that fair to put it all on him because the boards spend, but they spend really badly. Um, maybe he's not the only one culpable in that in that sense. But I, I think there's people that don't support Everton looking at Everton and Lampard and thinking, yeah, we we could see another spiral coming here, if, and he needs to arrest that very very soon. And the cup again, a bit like West Ham, the cup is a chance where he could have really. Um, added to the credit in the in the bank he's already got um, from last season if he could have really got them to the latter part of this competition and, and that's now gone.
3: Leicester through as Ben said um, Lincoln, Burnley MK Dons and Charlton um, as Ben said as well the only London side left in the competition Southampton through as well um, past partially Wednesday on penalties Nathan Jones just been confirmed as their manager Ben a good appointment question mark?
0: I think so I think it's a very brave appointment um, Nathan Jones has done a remarkable job at Luton like beyond remarkable, really amazing. Uh, obviously, he had them in League Two, got them into the Championship playoffs uh, last season. Many of some of the players that he had in League Two are still there. Obviously, he's been there in two spells because he left for Stoke um, and then came back. But I, I do worry a little bit because I think it's Stoke. It, it didn't work. That That's that's the reality. It didn't work. It was spectacularly failed, really. Um, and I think there the, the issue was managing a probably a different type of player to what, with due respect, he, he has or had at Luton. And if that was difficult at Stoke, I think it's going to be the same at Southampton, if not uh, harder. It's a very young squad at Southampton, and I think that will be good for him. And he can, you know, he can clearly develop players. Uh, James Justin, for example, at Luton, and Jewsbury Hall, who he took on loan. You know, that he's got some track record for developing players. Is very well liked by uh, his players and gets the buy-in. But at uh, Luton, the the sort of, the, the mantra, if you like, is, you know, we work really hard. It's, you know, backs to the wall at times and team spirit and all of that. And I just don't know if some of that is, um, if you can mirror that, if you can sort of replicate that at Southampton, because it's it's just a totally different world, isn't it, in the Premier League? So it's a big challenge for him. I totally see why they like him. Um, and it's a bit like, a little bit, I suppose, like Graham Potter going to Chelsea. You kind of want these moves to work, because if it doesn't, it's like, oh, like, what do we need to do then? Do we have to look abroad and get this guy who's already the, the sort of done thing, you know, who's, who's done it before, which, you know, Harsenhüter, for example, is managed in the Champions League. So, yeah, Nathan Jones feels, it feels like it's going to be interesting because Harsenhüter was never dull on the touchline and Nathan Jones certainly can be pretty fiery and I think we can see a few uh, touchline kind of antics coming up and no better place to start than Anfield on Saturday. So him and Jurgen Klopp going at it I can already see uh, being a few fireworks on the weekend, I think.
3: All right. Well, uh, let's carry on that Premier League preview in part two.
2: Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at borough.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at borough.com slash ACAST.
1: A third of students are less than happy about their university choice, new research by EY has revealed. The findings suggest that a digital rethink is essential to meet the expectations of students and staff. Universities can address this by putting the needs of the people they serve at the heart of their digital strategies, Learn more about the future of human-centred higher education at theguardian.com forward slash transforming higher education. This message was paid for by EY.
3: Welcome to part two of The Guardian Football Weekly. Now, still a few tickets remaining for the live show uh, at Earth in Hackney. Um, If you'd like to snap up one of the last ones to see us in person, me, Lars, Barry, Ellis, James, lots of special guests, theguardian.com slash Guardian Live. Apparently the live streaming numbers are not as high as they were previously. Is that because, well, we've done Barry's Munich anecdote, so we can't better that? Or do you need to just have a long, hard look at yourself next Thursday and decide this is what you need to do uh, because we'd love to see you. You can watch it on Catch Up as well. It's not quite yelling at the audience to buy a ticket, but buy a ticket. Theguardian.com slash Guardian
4: Live. We'll see you there. Susanna Hoffs. Could we, can we promise her? <laughs> Maybe.
3: Um, can we promise any of the bangles? <laughs> Listen, we're, tr- we're trying. We're trying.
4: This feels
3: like it will be a very weird weekend of football, doesn't it? You know, players are dropping like flies. Justin Sadio Mane is going to have a knee scan um, after he went off 15 minutes of, of Bayern's game. A uh, uh, win over Werder Bremen. I worry about this Premier League weekend. Just, I just wonder how intensely teams will take it. I mean, you're at Spurs, Robbie. And I can imagine Spurs being as the 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 least intense game <laughs> yeah. you've ever seen from certainly one side of it. I mean, Leeds will be intense,
4: that's for sure. I'd love match of the day just to be nil-nils and everyone just not touching each other. It'd be really great, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um I think if I was a manager, I'd play. You'd play your your Scots, your Italians, your Swedes. Um, you know who who could afford to get injured and not miss the World Cup.
3: That's the moment when I've realised Sweden aren't in it, Robin. Are Sweden not in it. God, no, that's,
4: a, no. that's a blow, isn't it? It is. There we yeah. are. It's
3: good to, good good for me to find out before the previews <laughs> next week. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Actually, I think selecting non World Cup squad players might be sensible in this in this game. Because even
4: Leeds it. have got, so Aronson and Adams have just been named in the USA squad and they're really, you know, they, they're full throttle. I mean, I, I can't see Leeds not being like that because that's the only way they know how. But yeah, no, it is, it is going to be interesting. It's totally understandable, isn't it, for players? Obviously, they want to be professional and play for their clubs, but, you know, World Cup doesn't come around very often and for some, it might be their only chance. So, it, it, psychologically, it must be really difficult.
3: Do you think Jordan, like, Players will get a calf strain in training. Do you think? I mean, do you think that would come into the minds of some of them? Do you think we'll see the starting lineups and there'll be markedly there'll be surprises in each game?
5: I think there will. I think motivation is a is a really um, strong element here in terms of teams. I think part of the reason why Arsenal lost last night was because Brighton have a bit bigger motivation to do well in this cup than they do, and I think that that don't underestimate how much a role that plays. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think, so I'm looking at some of the fixtures right now and the teams that are the top of the league will obviously have more internationals, but then again, they'll have deeper squads, therefore they can rotate a lot more. So I think how managers play this this weekend is going to be quite interesting because you don't want to drop your better players that can get you the win. But as you as Robin has said, you also don't want to play those better players who are definitely going to the World Cup and are going to play at 75%. I think age plays a role as well. So some of the younger players... Um, that are going to the World Cup who may have another World Cup in them may be a bit more they might. May, may go for it a bit more than say someone that's going into a World Cup and it's their last World Cup they don't want to miss their final chance to go to World Cup as well so I think the kind of psychology of how managers play this and how the, the, how much the players without realising it go for it or not I'm, I'm fascinated to see how, how that plays out this weekend for sure
4: Harry Kane will score and they'll, everyone will think that he's doing the Ronaldo sleepy celebration, but he's just curled up for a nap. It's
3: <laughs> I think Newcastle-Chelsea actually is a really interesting game, Ben. If it didn't have this kind of the World Cup shadow over it, we, would, we will, you know, when this game starts, while watching it, we'll see it as a kind of real who is most ready for the top four from these two.
0: Yeah, and I am really uh, excited by Newcastle. I think obviously Eddie Howe's done an unbelievable job uh, totally transformed the club in a year, which is amazing, really, from where they were and when he took them over. But as you say, it's the way I think it's the way he's got them playing, the intensity with which they play. Um, certain players are obviously really shining. You know, Bruno uh, sticks out uh, is an obvious one. Um, obviously, Callum Wilson as well. It'd be interesting if he if he's firing and maybe he's in the squad. But um, I, I, and for Chelsea, it's it's an awkward game because. Newcastle are a really good team. They're in a really good place at the moment. But actually, even if Chelsea were to say draw there, that would probably be seen as quite a, you know, why have they not won? And obviously, especially after losing in midweek. And uh, as Graham Potter knows only too well, you know, the, the crisis is so never too far away when you're at one of those clubs. Whereas obviously at Brighton, he was allowed to go on these little runs and things. And, and I think Newcastle is just a really tough, tough game for anybody at the moment because they're not the Newcastle that teams were playing, you know, a year ago, even in the sort of early. Um, maybe that's unfair but you know even early on under Eddie Howe they're very different now they're, they're so much more well drilled they're a really good team <laughs> and, and I, I think they've got a hell of a chance of of competing for that top four because they're going to strengthen again in January um, but I, I think the key there is actually what they've already got and, it, and it's it's really working it's, um, it's really impressive.
3: Jordan Arsenal go to Wolves there's such a high chance that they'll be top of the league going into this break which you don't win any trophy for, but if they manage that, and even if they don't, right, what Arteta's managed in this few months is really extraordinary.
5: It is, it is, and they've come through a really difficult October period as well where people are like, that's going to be the test, if they can come through that, then we'll take them seriously. We're 9th to November and, um, you know, we're we're, we're still top of the league and I think, even if, as you say, they go into the World Cup break second in the top two, I think is a phenomenal achievement. But I think, I mean, I'm not getting too carried away because, it's a long season. I'm going to fall into cliche heaven here, but it's one game at a time. And I still think for Arsenal, the, the, this might sound crazy, maybe a little bit defeatist, but it's still very much top four for me. If you can lock off and bank top four as soon as possible, and then you can start thinking, okay, can we, can we finish third? Can we push second? Can we come top? And some Arsenal fans I know are saying, no, we need to push out our chest and we're top of the league. Why can't we win this league? And let's push City all the way. And I get that as well. But I think the job that Arteta is doing in just ensuring that we can try and bank top four as soon as possible at this stage, I think is a testament to the job that he's doing. And he's getting closer and closer to the point now, whereby if they don't get at least four from here on in, that is an almighty implosion. So I think a few more games, even side out of the World Cup and you're kind of thinking, that's a second team guaranteed top four spot, and the rest are battling out for two spots. And then you kind of look into, as I said, can they can they push City City higher? But I think the key for Arsenal is going to be recruitment. They definitely need a couple of players in the in the January window. If they can do that, I think other teams might look on Arsenal with a bit more fear than I think they already do.
3: Simon says, "How does Jordan feel about Unai Emery at his hated Villa? <laughs> your pantomime <laughs> yeah. your pantomime feelings about Aston Villa? They, your they ridiculous." They don't ridiculous him. <laughs> pantomime! This is the Guardian Football Weekly, Jordan. Surely you've got to put that to bed now. You've got to go. It's done. No,
5: never, ridiculous. never. Those, fa- those fans are. Those oh, fans are really bad. On. They don't deserve someone like Unai okay. Amre. He's a really good manager. I think we, as Arsenal <laughs> fans, disrespected him a lot. It was the wrong timing for him, granted, but I think he's a high-caliber manager. That is that that is um, not befitting of that football club. <laughs>
3: okay. Well, my apologies to Aston Villa fans for Jordan Daryl ridiculous. Uh, approach to that part of this particular uh, podcast um, uh, look before we end part two I just want to talk about Alex Fletcher the uh, Bath City player we had an email from Connor who says hi Max and co I was at Twerton Park yesterday evening for Bath City versus Dulwich Town in the National League South uh, that was very sadly abandoned after just five minutes following a terrible incident involving City standout player Alex Fletcher the 23 year old was tussling shoulder to shoulder with a Dulwich defender both moving at full tilt towards the byline when Alex lost his footing crashed headfirst into the concrete wall surrounding the pitch. Press coverage of the incident has referred to the walls as advertising hoardings, but in reality, these are waist-height concrete walls no further back than a yard or so from the touchline right away around the pitch. Fletch was very clearly immediately unconscious. The crack of the impact was heard right away around the ground. It was chilling. The paramedics on site responded remarkably quickly, and the thousand or so in attendance were deftly silent. After 30 minutes, a tearful voice announced over the PA the game was to be abandoned due to the seriousness of the incident. This morning, it's been announced by Alex's family that he received emergency neurosurgery, is in a stable but critical condition in intensive care. Right now, it's anyone's guess as to the fate of this promising young talent. I don't know Alex personally, but he's always been a joy to watch. A remarkably positive player with a fantastic work rate, often chasing down the opposition defence, well into stoppage time when the side are winning 3-0. He just simply loves to play football and he does so with an infectious smile. I'm devastated for him and his family. It was a shock simply just to be in the ground. I can't imagine what it must be like for his family, friends and his team. It begs the question, what next for grounds like Twerton Park? To restructure the ground would be massively costly and disruptive. Any legal repercussions from an incident like this could completely threaten the existence of a fan-owned club. But it seems obvious in hindsight this was an accident waiting to happen. If nothing changes, will the players be comfortable on the pitch? Will they still close the ball down near the touchline? Or will there be forever a seed of cautious doubt in the mind? How many other grounds are there with dangerous concrete or metal walls within a few steps of the pitch? I'm not sure what the answer is, or if I'm even trying to make a point, but I thought it might be something worth bringing to the panel's attention. Best wishes, of course, to 23-year-old Alex Fletcher. I really hope he makes a full recovery. Um, uh, Thank you, Connor, for that email and, you know, your first-person perspective of that. I think now is probably not the time to speculate about all of those things, but just to wish Alex the absolute best of luck Uh, in what must be a very difficult situation for him and obviously his family and all his friends and the club as well. And we wish you our very best. And that'll do for part two. We'll be back in a minute.
1: A third of students are less than happy about their university choice, new research by EY has revealed. The findings suggest that a digital rethink is essential to meet the expectations of students and staff universities can address this by putting the needs of the people they serve at the heart of their digital strategies. Learn more about the future of human-centered higher education at theguardian.com forward slash transforming higher education. This message was paid for by EY.
3: Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. World Cup squads then. Bob says, are international squad announcement videos now a thing? Why are they a thing and how do we stop them? Ben, you were at the uh, big announcement in Wales. How was it?
0: It was really good. It was uh, very different. Uh, it, the Wales squad announcement was at Tyler's Town Welfare Hall, the last uh, surviving miners' hall in the Rhondda Valley.
3: God, they know how to play it, don't they? That's, you know.
0: <laughs> yes. Home of, uh, home of Rob Page and where... Uh, rob page's parents still live um he popped home for a bit of lunch with with his parents uh, before making the squad announcement which i thought was nice went for breakfast around the corner and and only a few miles away is where jimmy murphy the 1958 manager um grew up so there's a blue plaque there so he went to visit that it was very uh yeah day for the soul i think um it, it was it was a good day i mean it just in very Stark contrast to uh the USA who did their announcement uh you know by lighting up the Empire State <laughs> Building red, white, and blue. This was this was very uh authentic, shall we say. Um and I stuck around a bit actually last night. And it right at the end of the night, all the the, the fans that were there for the announcement, sort of, you know, it was like a ticketed event in the end. And when this when the squad got announced, it was like, wow, you know, Dylan Levitz made it and etc. And um, at the end, they the whole room sang, apart from me and, and perhaps a few others, sang the, the Welsh national anthem, which we know is uh, you know, is is a good one. And, uh, you're like John Redwood aren't you Ben you're like John you just, you just don't know
3: it you know you've got this gig you don't even know it. it's an it's a disgrace and um,
0: yeah no it, it was uh, it was quite the evening actually it wasn't it wasn't your typical squad announcement shall we say and also because of where it was there was road closures involved in the with Ronda Council which again is just another headache it's and also that meant you know fissure, a, yeah. a, a, a bit of parking uh, yeah. potential trauma but you'll be glad to know that there was no no such problem. So
3: so when they announced like did they do one player at a time or did they do the whole here's the whole thing No, squad? they just
0: they just beamed the squad on the big screens and um people kind of slowly sort of deduced that so and so had made it or, you know, Ruben Colwell was in but there was no room for Tyler Roberts, etc. So um who is injured, I should say.
3: But did they like, was it like a rapturous applause? I could just imagine England doing it and just the fans there just instantly getting furious that there was no place for Ivan Tony and James Madison wasn't there. and just people just hurling bottles at Gareth Southgate straight away.
0: No, it was all very feel good in, in, in contrast to that. And I think, um, also there there was never really going to be any surprises in terms of the squad. So that probably helps. Whereas obviously Gareth Southgate can kind of do no right and. uh, as we'll soon find out.
3: Yeah. So so like for people like, you know, we, we were speculating about Chris Gunter, but he got in, which is obviously feel good. Johnny Williams as well, you know, plays for Swindon Town. He's there. Joe Allen's not fully fit, but he's in. So but I mean it was basically everyone knew who was going to be on the screen. So everybody just applauded what they already <laughs> expected, type thing. It was like, sort of, like a beautiful but pointless uh <laughs> exhibition.
0: Kind yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, the the biggest deal really was to- Tom Lockyer, the Luton defender, being recalled. So that probably underlines how you know shocking or not shocking it was. But um, nonetheless, let's you know let's be honest about it. Wales's first World Cup for sixty four years. They're always going to make a a big thing of it, and sure. you know, rightly so. Fair play.
3: And 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 realistically, and we'll do the previews next week and look at the the groups in a bit of detail. Like what. How difficult do you think it will be for them to get out of the group? Like, I think obviously they are decent. I think the United States and Iran are also quite good, and England are, you know, should be good.
0: Yeah, they're definitely targeting to state the obvious to get out of the group. They believe they can get out of the group. I think they've got a good chance of getting out of the group. I just I worry a little bit about the midfield, um, especially with Joe Allen, extremely. I would say unlikely to play in that first game against the USA by that time he wouldn't have played a competitive game for two months Rob Page is admitted he's an exception to the rule really he's a special case in the sense that he's taking him even though you know he, he he's not in a position to be able to play for example you know this weekend or whatever but he wants him there he wants to try and get him to a place where maybe he could play whether that's the first game feels a big ask but um I do worry a little bit about the the thinness of the midfield options. Um, they're not hugely blessed in that department, I would I, I would argue. But I mean, Aaron Ramsey, to his credit, has been brilliant for Wales of late. So um, if if he can sort of lead in that sense, then maybe that's a, a big plus.
4: Are we going to expect Michael Sheen to be part of the backroom staff for Wales?
0: <laughs> well, they've invited him out there, Robin. So hopefully, Michael Sheen will be sort of bounding around Doha shortly, and and Dafydd as well, who um who's the man behind the, their anthem. Yeah, yeah, He. So, So oh, yeah. um, I don't know who else might get invited out. Maybe they'll take a few more. We
4: need some hype men. We need some hype men for England and hype women. What, I mean.
0: It just
3: doesn't work. It's just
4: not no. the same.
0: It's just there's it's nothing. It's or somebody. It just does it, it
3: just isn't, it just isn't the same. Dave says, I've heard Southgate is going to take player X and leave out player Y. It's a disgrace Insert a single stack comparison that makes player Y look better. Clearly shows that player Y should be starting for England. Should we riot? Hashtag Southgate out. Hashtag whoever follows Southgate out too. Um, look, here's what's being suggested by Jacob Steinberg and David Heitner in this paper. Marcus Rashford, Callum Wilson, Ben White, Calvin Phillips, Kyle Walker all in. No place for Madison, Sancho, Jarrah Bowen, Ivan, Tony or Tammy Abraham. Uh, Luke Shaw, the only recognised left back. I don't know if you can hear. My son is really... Having a bad time I'm going to see. He's very upset about the England squad, isn't he? <laughs> Clearly, he's he's chosen England <laughs> over the Socceroos. And he's absolutely devastated to hear about James Madison. Jordan, are you uh, are you outraged?
5: I, I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm actually going to the to George's Park after this podcast. Um, by the time this comes out, as you mentioned, uh, the announcement will be will be live. Um, so I'm 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 interested to hear who he goes with. I, I think Madison will make it. Um, I've been told by my sources that that he, he's in, yeah. Oh, really? So not to say that the Guardian journalists aren't well sourced and and aren't very good, um, but one of us is wrong. <laughs> so it'd be,
3: a, it'd be a massive surprise if Madison's in. I mean, just given the, the the sort of what Southgate has done for the last few years.
5: Yeah, the evidence suggests that he doesn't really change and make massive. I mean, Massive surprises, but I, I, I've been told that the the form that he's been in has has been that good that it's it, it, it's 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 you can't ignore it, and he he does have a role for him to play, um, and I think he should go. I, I think he should go. Um, I, I'm I'm really yeah, really keen to see who, who he does select. I think the whole. He should pick this player, that player stuff. I think is really tiresome and boring. Whoever, as Ben alluded to earlier whoever Southgate picks, it's going to be a lose lose for him. So let's just trust that whoever he goes with, he backs them, and we judge him on on the results of um the results of uh of, of where England finish. I just wanted to mention as well. I think that the press conference today will be dominated by not only the selection but also by off the field um yeah. uh, issues as well and i've got a couple of questions for him one of which is a non-footballing question um and how he handles that and he handles it very very well um is again something i'm quite keen to to to, to hear
3: given that given that you will have asked the question by the time people listen to this what <laughs> yeah. is what because there are so many non-footballing questions you could ask him right and and it's you you are tight for time what what are you going to ask him
5: Sure. My football one is going to be, have you learned anything from the last two tournaments and will you tweak anything? And My non-footballer one is going to be, what's going to be the England, the FA's position on speaking out against issues that have been flagged beforehand, considering FIFA have come out and said, we don't want press conferences dominated during the tournament by non-footballing issues. He was very, very, I, I thought, impressive Southgate leading up to the Euros and saying, we're taking the knee. We know that lots large parts of the country are anti-taking the knee. We're taking the knee. Get used to it. We're not. We're not. We're not moving from that. So I'm quite keen to see if a he will abide by the, you know, not talking about non-footballing issues during the tournament. And 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 what is the contingency if if things do go wrong or if there are issues and there are protesters? Will they speak on it? Will they? You know, will the FA have a stance on on their position on this sort of thing, or are they just going to focus on on the football and I think what he'll do is he'll take all of the non-footballing questions today because I think Mm. think it's a smart move so that by next week he can justifiably say look I've addressed all the non-footballing things we are now literally just in football football mode
3: Robert do you have any strong thoughts on the England squad what may or may not be
4: uh, no, <laughs> I, I, I'm with Jordan. I find it very tiresome. But I'm with you. I'd, I'd find it very surprising if he picks Madison just from what's gone on and he just the system that we think he's going to play. There's just no room for James Madison, and, and that's not to say that he doesn't deserve a call up. He totally does. He's a fabulous player. But then you also think about: is he an impact substitute? Again, he might be but um we don't have really much evidence for that you've got like you know in terms of where do you actually play him you know would it be on the left or the right because he's not going to be a holding midfielder and it's just it just don't it just doesn't fit in whereas you know a Grealish is obviously a, i think he's going to be seen as a big impact sub so that's i think that's the big contentious one i guess the other one is who's the other center forward isn't it um to back up harry kane that's the big one
3: jordan you you were uh, in the whatsapp group were uh, mentioned the french squad what in terms of it's just really good, even without Kante and Pogba.
5: Yeah, I just thought everyone was kind of salivating over the, the Brazil squad when it was announced. And rightfully so. I, I just thought the French squad is just an absolute, absolute joke. The midfield options they've got, um, the forward options. I think defensively, they're probably not quite as good um, or strong as I think Brazil's lineup. But um I, I would just love to see uh, Br- Brazil their full strength versus France left. Because I just think there's so much many options there just. I don't think either will win it, by the way. But I just think just seeing the names they've got, and that's without, as you mentioned, Pogba and Kante, it's just it's just, um, it's just an embarrassing, embarrassment of riches.
4: That's interesting because I saw a lot of people saying this doesn't look very strong, this French squad. Oh, really? It's not, yeah, that's interesting. That's, yeah,
3: I think I think up front, you know, Benzema, Komen, Dembele, Giroud, Giroud Griezmann, Mbappe and Cucu is strong. The midfield, without those two, sure you've got Camavinga and, and from from Real Madrid. And Rabiot. Rabiot is is has made it. <laughs> Gwendozy's in, there. you know, like Gwendozy's okay isn't he? But you know, like uh for final of Monaco, I confess I've not seen a huge amount of Verratu from Marseille again, you know, Marseille I've watched a bit in the Champions League.
4: Varane who's not ver- who's not played so much.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean they do have a lot of And like, Lloris th- And then- who yeah. Is yeah. Lloris yeah Mm. <laughs> Larissa, is Larisse. He has they have won the World Cup before they've mm. got a lot of strength I mean Saliba's playing very well isn't he Canate's back for Liverpool Uber Meccano is you know uh, plays for Bayern Munich is not terrible um, Teo Hernandez down the left for AC Milan is brilliant so yeah they've got a good squad haven't they Jen says actually you know on the off the pitch stuff and we have got specials coming out next week um, but there are always stories about off-the-pitch stuff. Gents says, oh, hi Max, is there no talk in England or anywhere else about David Beckham and his horrible role in this World Cup, or is he like Oli Gunnar Solskjaer here in Norway, a sacred cow who can do no wrong? Um, uh, I love the pod, have Lars and Josimar on more often, our best exports by far. <laughs> what do you think? What do you think, George? I mean, I, I I find David Beckham's role in this pretty disgraceful, and I wonder if that the power that he has means that the criticism of him is sort of, is less. He's actually, he's got a new show out on Disney Plus called something like Save Our Squad, where he goes to East London and he shows the power of football. And you think, God, the hypocrisy of doing this, but you don't, but you're taking tens of millions from Qatar where you clearly, you don't care about, you don't care enough about the people there and, you know, the lives of the LGBTQ plus community, the migrant workers, women, etc.
5: I think there is a huge element of hypocrisy here, but I also think that we are all hypocrites to varying degrees. Um, but Dave Beckham is not a, a poor man. He has a lot of money. He doesn't need the money, but I'm I'm always a little bit uncomfortable about criticising people for making money. And he's, he's it's a job. He's an ambassador. He's making money. The problem I have is then, and this is why I think Gary Neville is getting a little bit more heat than David Beckham, is that Dave Beckham is kind of just like quietly... Being a hypocrite, whereas I think the perception is Gary Neville is a very vocal hypocrite in terms of he's very vocal about issues, um, human rights issues, but yet he's going to be working, um, I think, for uh, um, uh, a Middle Eastern being sports, uh, be, yeah. be sport, You know what I mean? So it's a bit like okay, we're grading levels of hypocrisy here a little bit now. But I think Beckham gets a little bit less heat because he's just in the he's just in the corner taking his big bag, but not preaching to the world. About about the wrongs of the world, where someone like Gary Neville, um, who does, um, is then at the same time taking Qatari money as well. But I I think it's all very very unsavoury and uncomfortable. But I say equally, I'm a little bit because I, I I put myself in the position. If it was me and it offered me that amount of money, would I take it? I I, I it's a lot of money. <laughs> I don't know. I don't.
4: But he's already got how much has he got already? Come on. I agree, I agree on. Robin. I agree. I mean, if he offered it to you, you know, in your current in our current situation, that's different, you know. But I'm, I'm, I mean I'm I still I, I still you
5: know that I have,
0: I have Oh okay, I, have... <laughs> I didn't realise.
4: Sorry. <laughs> You're into crypto. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I actually think it's worse that I, I take Jordan's point, but I I think the fact that Beckham is, if you like, sort of quietly just going about his business and, you know, brand Doha or Brand Qatar, whatever it is, you know, World Cup, FIFA, I think that's Totally, just wrong. Uh, It's a lot worse. worse. At least, at least, at least least Neville. I know he's getting a lot of feet and again, rightly so. But at least it's kind of his field. He's going there to kind of do the job he does. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with it. But Beckham just sort of sloping around quietly. I mean, how visible is he going to be during the tournament? Is he going to be shiny on photos and you know smiling for? you know, all to the grass. And th- I don't know. I just find I do find it very uncomfortable when the reality is, especially Beckham's attachment to the England team and England, and let's face it, this country, I just, I think it's totally wrong that he's um flying the, the flag for Qatar. No, I think that's
5: fair. that's fair.
4: I also think his, you know, the godparents to his first born son are Elton John and David Furnish. And I wonder what they would think about this, you know, being a, a country where being gay is illegal i just i think it's totally disgusting i think it he does need more flack for this he doesn't need the money and i think he's he's someone i just it's made me reframe him because you just realize that he's probably got the best pr people and we you know throughout his career and afterwards everyone thinks he's amazing and i and i thought that as well you know what a great guy down to earth and actually this is just a huge misstep in terms of his reputation and me being very me very very cynical, I thought they went right, David. You're going to have to join that queue for the Queen to kind of get your you know down to earth image back, and maybe that's yeah.
3: Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I I think I think is I think it is really damaged his legacy, and I think I just think because of the power that he has, right? I think I, I think anyone you know I think there is a I think within. Certainly within sort of within the game, he has such such a reputation that if you speak out against him, people will notice and go, "Oh, you're not part of you know and, and I don't know you know it's quite hard to sort of quantify what that power is but but also because he has such power it is he legitimizes you know the 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 fact that FIFA gave this World Cup to Qatar and that's fine if he's saying this is fine, the number of people given his following and his reputation, the number of people who go, do you know what? I'm not sure. I'm not really read a whole lot about it. But if it's, not, sort of, you know, David Beckham's a good guy. So if it's all right for him, then it'll be all right. That is the most, that is the absolute worst thing that he has done, in my opinion. But yeah, for me, his legacy is completely shattered. Where should we go now? Uh, it's just a note on Gerard Piquet he was sent off at halftime in his final match before retiring. He started on the bench, got very annoyed by Robert Lewandowski being sent off after half an hour. And appeared to follow the referee down the tunnel at half-time. And apparently said some very rude things that we don't need to go into. Uh, are you still there, Jordan? Because your picture's gone.
5: I am. Sorry, I'm just getting changed. I've got a train to catch. 45 yeah. minutes, I'm here, I'm here. Um,
3: oh, this is very exciting. Wow. <laughs> uh, the first time ever, a naked Jordan Jarrett Bryan. As we move on to the big part of the podcast, the bangles. So Stefan says, is this the time to talk about the will-they-won't-they they romance of Barry Glendenning and Susanna Hoffs? We're rooting for you, Barry. Adele says, is Barry Glendenning flirting with an honest-to-goodness bangle on Twitter? The second-best performance by an awfully man this year after Shane Lowry won the PGA Championship. One for the corkboard, surely, Baz. Uh, Jamie, no Barry. Guess he'll be back on Manic Monday. And then Steve said, what? are Susanna Hoff's thoughts on Ryan Lowe's time so far with Preston North End. To which Susanna Hoffs, who really shouldn't have got involved with, you know, (laughs) these replies, replied, I'm afraid I only know Ted Lasso. But yes, Barry Robin got a reply from Susanna Hoffs. And I'm slightly worried he now thinks he's going out with her.
4: Well, I I think that's a fair conclusion for him to draw. Why not? You know, let, let him have this one, Max. And, you know, and as you say, maybe, maybe... He can uh, pull some strings and uh, that'll be the big draw for the live show, Susanna. She's clearly very active on Twitter, you know, so uh, maybe.
3: The Bangles Live (laughs) at uh, Earth in Hackney, theguardian.com slash Guardian Live. Barry is, uh, uh, he's taking a week off. Um, He is, he has been a bit like Joe Allen, selected for the squad for the World Cup, even though we are, as we have been for many years, unsure of his fitness. (laughs) Anyway, that will do uh, for uh, today's pod. Must read this email from Moody, says, Dear Max and the gang, I'm hoping you could give a little shout out to an avid listener of at least 12 years who, although being a sweaty, red-faced Englishman, is getting married on Sunday in Florida. We met our good friend Graham Holford back in 2009 when we lived in South Korea when we taught English. The three of us found the pod and it was an irreverent connection to life back in Blighty. Although we've lived oceans apart since... We have remained great friends and inevitably the first thing we talk about when catching up is what our recent favourite bits of the pod are rather than any of the matches we've actually watched. It was fortunate that Grambo, as he's called, has managed to find himself a wife as until this point one of his self-confessed greatest life achievements is when he had a minor Twitter exchange with Barry. uh, Them groaning in agreement about how shit it is when people insist on reminding you of the previous night's drunken antics. (laughs) funny funny for barry to agree on that one anyway the 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 best wedding gift from us would be for you guys to wish the sweaty phone losing inappropriately sweary graham and his future mrs holford all the best on their big day would appreciate it if this was possible much love paddy and moody well look from all of us at football weekly good luck graham good luck the future mrs holford we wish you a very very wonderful day and a happy life together And that'll do for today's podcast. Thank you, Robin.
4: Thanks very much, Max.
3: Thank you, Ben. Cheers, Max. Thank you, Jordan. You look marvellous now you've put your jacket Mm. on for television. (laughs) Oh, Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is
0: Christian Bennett.
5: This is The Guardian.